Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Carolina Panthers aren't skipping the quarterback competition this year. Big Poppy gets his big day. And Shohei Otani isn't only the MVP frontrunner, but also the Cy Young leader. I'm Kanani Stevens in for Peter Bukowski. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has he covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. NFL training camps begin this week, so football fans obviously very excited. We wanted to check in with the Panthers, locked on Panthers. Julian Council with us. Obviously, going into this, there's going to be a bit of a quarterback competition, so to speak. Is that what everybody's kind of looking forward to? Is that what Carolina is calling it right now? Yeah, I mean, it's rare in the NFL nowadays that you see a true quarterback competition like we have here in Carolina between Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield. The only other situation going on in the league that's like Carolina is Seattle trying to figure out whether Drew Locke or Geno Smith would be the starter. And it's got to be the first time since 2003 when the Panthers had Jake DeLome and Rodney Pete battling it out for the starting quarterback position. And in that year, coincidentally, Carolina Panthers went to the Super Bowl. So who knows? Maybe... Uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold competing against each other can maybe lead to another Super Bowl appearance. And I did see the last time a team had two guys from the top three at the quarterback position on the roster was back in 1980 when the Raiders themselves also went to the Super Bowl. So I, I'm feeling Super Bowl vibes just because we have this quarterback competition going on in Carolina. I'm feeling the Super Bowl omens. I hope that for you. I really do. Um, in terms of competition, obviously, is this going to be really whoever wins it or is it Baker don't mess this up sort of thing? Yeah, the Carolina Panthers aren't skipping the pretense here. They're actually seem to be committed to a quarterback competition. And if you really pay attention to what they've done all offseason, they've tried at every turn to try and find an upgrade over Sam Darnold. They tried to get into this Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. That didn't work out. General manager Scott Fitterer came over here from Seattle. So he called John Snyder, the GM up there, and asked about Russell Wilson. Russell wasn't interested. Got to the draft. There was some speculation that maybe they'd use a sixth overall pick in a quarterback. Eventually, they trade up in the third round to get Matt Corral. And even at that point in time, you didn't see an upgrade. So Baker Mayfield coming to Carolina made a lot of sense. And last season, the Panthers, same situation. They had Teddy Bridgewater on the roster, the owner, Pretty much told the front office, get me a new quarterback. That landed with them with Sam Darnold, and he was given the job from day one. They've, in a way, learned their lesson as that didn't work out well, and they want to at least foster a competitive environment with Sam and Baker pushing each other in training camp. But make no mistake, the Carolina Panthers did not trade for Baker Mayfield to try out Sam Darnold, who has been statistically the worst starting quarterback since he entered the league back in 2018. And, and going forward, I mean, what is the offense going to look like? Assuming Baker kind of takes over, is this going, are they going to go kind of his way? Like, is the coaching staff excited to kind of work with him and go a different way? Or how, what are we going to see from the offense this year? Yeah, Ben McAdoo, who was head coach up in New York, last time he was actually on the coaching staff was back in Jacksonville a couple years ago in 2020. He's now taken over the reins as the OC. There was that report before uh, Matt Rule was able to make the new hire from, from Jay Glazer that he needed to get a rock star OC in order to keep his <laughs> job. Well, that certainly is not the case, but McAdoo, does come from the recommendation of Tom, Tom Coughlin, who Matt Rule also coached up there with a couple of years ago, the only time he had spent time in the NFL prior to getting the Panthers job with the Giants. They're going to play do a lot of two tight end sets. They talk about they want to be more of a downhill rushing attack. That was one of the talking points last year that Matt Rule had about how he really wanted to focus on running the football because they weren't an elite passing game with Sam Darnold with a poor offensive line. Now with an offense line that should be improved and with, with Baker Mayfield as a starting quarterback, you would think that guys like Robbie Anderson could bounce back this year 
and then young players like Terrace Marshall. And then of course, DJ Moore can also have a breakout season. And that's not to mention Christian McCaffrey being back healthy, fingers crossed this say. season. <laughs> and that would aid Baker or whoever ends up being the starting quarterback for Carolina and this entire offense as a whole, as he's missed 23 games the last two seasons, which is also the record for the Panthers, 10 and 23. These first two years, McCaffrey not playing 23 of those games. Definitely got to knock on wood for the health, of course. Players reporting on Tuesday. Practices start on Wednesday. Julian, thank you for joining us and have fun at training camp. Yeah, anytime. You can stay up to date on the Carolina Panthers by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Panthers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, David Ortiz got the recognition that he deserved for a well-played baseball career. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for your gambling needs. Monday's slate of MLB games provides some opportunity. The Orioles are home dogs to the Rays. Bet Online has Baltimore at plus 114 on the money line in this game. Also, home dogs are the Detroit Tigers. Bet Online has the Tigers at plus 140 against the Padres. And the reeling Phillies find themselves on the home dog side against the Braves. Bet Online has Philadelphia at plus 148 to beat Atlanta. Bet online is where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Houston Texans rookie wide receiver John Mechie III announced on Sunday that he has been diagnosed with a form of leukemia and likely will not play this season. He said, recently I was diagnosed with the most curable form of leukemia in a statement released by the Texans. The Texans traded up in the second round, sending three picks to the Cleveland Browns to get Mechie 44th overall in the 2022 draft. Mechie had 96 catches for 1,142 yards and eight touchdowns last season at Alabama before tearing his ACL in the SEC championship game in December. Before his diagnosis, he said he was expected to be ready for training camp. Former Los Angeles Lakers player Slava Medvedenko is selling his two NBA championship rings to raise money for his native country, Ukraine. Medvedenko is 43. He has a power forward on the Lakers championship teams in 2001 and 2002, playing alongside Kobe and Shaq, of course. SCP Auctions is donating the entire final sale price of both rings to Medvedenko's Fly High Foundation. Its goal is to support Ukrainian children by restoring the sports infrastructure of the war-torn country's schools and launching a network of social sports clubs. Quote, we want to restore gyms because the Russian army bombed more than 100 schools, Medvedenko told the Associated Press by phone on Sunday. He also said, our country needs a lot of money to fix the schools. Sports gyms are going to be the last in the line to get fixed. In Ukraine, we have winters and kids need to play inside. Major League Baseball and the Players Association are once again proving just how bubbly and loving their relationship is. With a deadline looming, MLB on Sunday submitted what was billed as a final offer regarding an international draft. The league increased the amount of money that would be guaranteed to the top 600 international players by $10 million, going from $181 million to $191 million, according to sources. But the two sides remain very far apart. The prospect of a deal seems pretty unlikely. We've heard that before. The two sides have until today to reach an agreement on an international draft system that will be designed to reduce all of the corruption that plagues the current international signing process. Speaking of the diamond, the Chicago Cubs took it to the Philadelphia Phillies over the weekend. Listen, you have the 27 Yankees, 
you have the Oakland A's of the early 70s, you have the big red machine, and then you have the second half 2022 Chicago Cubs, who start the second half with a convincing sweep against the playoff hopeful Philadelphia Phillies. Game one was a blowout, game two was tight until extras, and then game three was a one-run nail-biter. Outstanding starting pitching all weekend from the Cubs. Big, big contributions from Christopher Morrell, uh, Jan Gomes today, Nelson Velasquez. Some really good things to see. Plus, as a bonus, some of the best Cubs prospects had huge weekends down on the farm. So overall, I'm drinking some Cubs Kool-Aid this weekend. It was an outstanding performance. Give credit to the Cubs coming out of the second half with a bang. 3-0. and let's, let's win 20 in a row. Here is another story you need to know. The 2022 class of the Baseball Hall of Fame inducted over the weekend. We're going to check in with Locked On Red Sox, Lauren Campbell. I will leave the current Red Sox out of this because no one wants to talk about that right now. David Ortiz, obviously the headline of this class and obviously a larger than life character anyway. Um, it's pretty cool. And he's the first DH to get in on the first ballot as well. So what was this weekend like for Red Sox fans? It was so fun. And it was so great to have this moment, especially in a weekend where they just weren't playing well. So you mm -hmm. get to kind of ignore all that, watch David Ortiz give his speech, have his family there, have uh, so many people from Boston and you really got to see the importance of him, of what he did for baseball, how important he is to the Dominican Republic, to the city of Boston, and just to baseball as a whole. Just a very, very fun day. And it's always a good day when David Ortiz gets on the microphone. Absolutely. It's always entertaining for sure. Um, we were just talking a little bit. This is only the fourth, he's only the fourth player from the Dominican that's been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And obviously he, um, you know, is such a, a big part of all those Red Sox teams, Pedro as well. Um, but what does this mean kind of to lead the way for the Dominican um, players to kind of hopefully, you know, really start mounting the numbers as well? Yeah, I think he's certainly going to pave the way for the next class of Dominican players. There's so many right now in MLB that are very, very good players that you know, 20 years from now probably will be in the Hall of Fame. So it's been a lot of fun to see kind of his impact on baseball because and this also was a guy who the twins gave up on and he probably thought his career was over and he was able to reestablish himself. So just to see him do that probably gives you know younger Dominican kids a chance and they think, oh, OK, like if I get cut from my childhood team, it's not the end of the road. I can just continue to work at my craft and continue to get better and maybe be in the Hall of Fame one day. Absolutely. There's so much that goes into this Hall of Fame, obviously, with the votes and the writers and everything. But it, Ortiz had a wonderful career, but his relationship certainly with the media and his off the field, like just personality certainly helps as we see he's the first um, DH to make it on the first ballot. So how much did that play into this? Obviously, he was a great player, but just also who he was as a person is as a person. Yeah, I think that certainly plays into it. I mean, we saw Jim Rice get in when it was 15 year eligibility on his last year. And a lot of that was the writers did not like him because he was not kind to the media. But David Ortiz, no matter what happened, he was there to constantly talk. He was always joking around with the beat writers and just he saw them more like he knew that they had a job to do. And I wish I was in the media during the time in during his playing days, but he was just he was there. He was like, you guys have a job to do. And it's my job to talk to you and take accountability for how much I sucked today. So mm -hmm. just to, that transparency, that accountability. And he also saw like we saw him as a person. And so he saw the media as people back. And it's just a mutual respect. But I definitely think that played into it. Because when you can have fun with the media, 
and just kind of be yourself, it, it goes a long way. Absolutely. And uh, no doubt for him, he was definitely the headline this weekend and it was a good relief from what the current Red Sox are doing. Lauren, thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Stay up to date on the Boston Red Sox by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Red Sox podcasts on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Coming up, Shohei Otani made it cool to be a two-way player, so it only makes sense that he's a favorite for two awards. The international sensation known as Shohei Otani has stepped up his game when we didn't even think it was possible to play any better. He's gone from a great two-way talent with an MVP award to also being just a really good pitcher. John and Mike Frisch of Locked On Angels discussed why Otani needs to be considered the favorite for both the AL MVP and the AL Cy Young Awards. His ERA, 2.38, which is good, and he has 123 strikeouts in 87 innings pitch. And Here's the thing that I noticed, and there have been some baseball guys and gals talking about this. Shohei is on pace to match Clayton Kershaw's 2011 season. Oh, now that was a remarkable season. He went 21 and 5, a 228 ERA. He struck out 248 in 233 innings. Now, I don't think that Shohei is going to get to the innings pitched because he's pitching every six days, mm-hmm. but I think that he can come close to the 248 in strikeouts. Do you think he has an edge because he's a hitter also? Meaning that when people see what he's doing on the mound, they're going to see his offensive stats at the plate and they're going to go, man, this guy is just incredible. I guess we're going to vote for him as the Cy Young because he's hitting too, right? And I think that maybe that might be more of an MVP conversation. But right. do you think his hitting actually benefits him to maybe be the leader for Cy Young? I don't think it's going to be taken into consideration for the voting. And okay. I think if it does benefit in any sort of way, it's the fact that he's doing both at the same time. So it's, man, look at Otani's stats while he's hitting, while he's being a productive hitter. And it it makes more sense in the MVP discussion because he's a complete package of both hitting and pitching. But if you're going to be, I mean, this is the one award that I think that nobody's going to complain. Well, Shohei pitches and hits. Is he going to get MVP every single season? Yeah, as long as he does both well. But I think this is the single award that's purely from the pitching standpoint. But fortunately for him, he's, he's doing way better than he did last year. And again, those six starts in a row where he has, you know, an under one ERA yep. in those starts yep. is just incredible. And so I really hope that he can continue that pace for the rest of the season and and continue that on Friday against the Braves because we really need a big win coming out of the all-star break to set this game, to set this season on the right path. Yeah. And I really think that if Shohei continues this, he'll be in that conversation right up until the end and it there's just nobody doing it like him and i i also wonder if it comes to cy young how much they considerate considerate they, how much <laughs> consideration goes into the stuff that they have on the mound sure, the sure the movement the deception i mean because you know they they accumulate strikeouts and i wonder if that is an indication of the kind of uh flashiness he has on the mound in terms of the sinker and the slider and the 101 mile an hour fastball, that kind of stuff. I, I, that, I mean, at the end of the day, that probably just goes into the stats and is accumulated there, but man, it, when it comes to just what he can do, 
besides getting the results, it's just he's fooling batters and he's making them like silly. And right. he even said that, uh, you know, right now, if he were to be Shohei the pitcher versus Shohei the hitter, I think Ben Verlander asked him this question, that Shohei the pitcher would strike out Shohei the hitter. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And I think what the key is for Shohei in the second half is one, how he performs against teams like the Braves. Mm-hmm. Those good teams with good hitters that are actually going to be in the playoffs. I think him continuing to be dominant, that will be a great story to watch. And then I think what actually really helps him to the detriment of Angel fans is that the Angels are terrible on the days that he doesn't start. And then they're really <laughs> great on the days that he does, right? If he keeps racking up wins... I think that that's actually going to put him over the top because let's say he wins another six in a row and wins in like 12 in a row so far. I mean, that puts him at 15 wins. I think if he gets to 15 wins, 18 wins, he is for sure going to be the Cy Young winner. I don't even have a hot take on this one because he absolutely deserves both of those awards, especially playing on an LA team that really doesn't give him a ton of run support. As far as pitching, he has to give himself his own run support. So absolutely give that man all of the awards. And finally, Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay is now the heavyweight champion of the world, sort of. Well, he owns the heavyweight championship of the world. Ursay purchased Muhammad Ali's championship belt from the 1974 Rumble in the Jungle with George Foreman. He paid a cool $6 million for one of the two known Ali belts in existence. I'm not sure why I looked this up, but this is just under half of the remaining cap space the Colts have left, of course. He didn't use the cap money necessarily to get the belt, but just wanted to put things into perspective for you. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, will there be any movement in the MLB trade market? At least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.